You are now tuned in, tune in. to the Spectators, Spectators Podcast. What is happening, you guys? Lots to talk about today. For those of you keeping track, this is episode 81. I uh, hope everybody is staying sane out there. Stuff's still crazy, getting crazier. Um, we got people being dragged off trains for, for not wearing a mask right now. Uh, you know, a month ago, could you have imagined this? I definitely could not, and I feel like I keep saying that every week. It's wild, but yeah, today we got, uh, we got some stuff on the agenda. We got the Tusi slide. Uh, and Drake being able to do things he does in rap into his 30s now. Uh, some stuff to talk about there. We're going to talk about uh, maybe maybe touch on delayed gratification as a concept as it relates to up-and-coming artists and really any type of entrepreneurial endeavor that you might have. Uh, we got a little Tory Lanez conversation, quarantine radio. We'll talk about music saturation. Um Obviously not a whole lot going on in the sports world right now. I can't wait till that starts up again so I can talk about sports. Uh, RIP the Masters, man. I'm so sad. But I'll talk about the uh, the should golf courses be open right now question that people seem to feel very strongly about one way or another. And maybe some other stuff. Who knows? So without further ado, let's give you the latest with the spectators. I'm a company man, I do it all for the brand. I give my blood to the job and I give my love to the fans. Really spec from the jump, never no check in advance. And at the end of the month, I'm a company man, I do it all for the brand. I give my blood to the job and I give my love to the fans. Really spec from the jump, never no check in advance. And at the end of the month, I earn a check in my hand. First off, congrats to Apollo on hitting three milli Spotify streams. Uh, on OK. Word to four and, and word to promoting sounds as well. Wouldn't have been impossible without them. Uh, we would have been in Philly while I'm recording this on the Guess You Had to Be There tour. NYC today when you're hearing this, Tuesday, uh, probably. And, and Boston on Wednesday for the last road show. Uh, still very sad about that, but, you know, it is what it is. Did what we had, what we had to do. Um... So I heard from legitimate sources that there's a possibility that concerts and spectator sports, that's S-P-E-C, no K, uh, won't be back till possibly like fall 2021 or something. That's the, that's the word around town as a possibility. Um, I hope that's not true. Wow, that would be crazy. I have these venues still hitting me up from the guests you had to be there to are trying to book. And I'm just like, dude, we don't know anything. I, I feel for you guys, but what do you want from me? You want me to tell you a date and then have to cancel it again? Uh, anyway, there's new, uh, I guess you had to be there action today. When you're hearing this writer's block dropped, it's out. It's available everywhere. Probably the artsiest record, I guess I would say, uh, on the, on the album. Um, I said the most unique yesterday. Uh, I really want to shoot a video for this because I think it could be really cool, but COVID is really screwing up a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, tour, vids, basically everything to do with rolling out the album, um, anything you have to leave the house for. It makes me sad, so I won't dwell on it. Um, you know, you make the most of what you got. 
Last but not least, on the 16th, which is Thursday, instead of a typical Spec 16, Apollo and I are going to go live on Instagram. We're going to go verse for verse, 10 rounds. May the best man win. Make sure you tune in for that. Um, yeah, that's about it as far as the spectators go. But make sure you're checking out that that writer's block. And I guess let's get into the pod. You are now tuned in. To the Spectators Podcast. All right, Drake. Drake drops the record that I referenced a couple pods ago when the snippets dropped. Tusi slide. Then I hit it double time. Then I hit a spin because we spun their block a couple times. I just got to hand it to Drake, man. Dude could sit atop his perch and be all above the trends and just put on, like, put an album out every, every two to three years and still be the GOAT. But instead, he's still out here shooting his shots, involving the kids, even naming the song and dance after the kid, giving credit where it's due, helping to put people on, making videos that aren't super professional with a, with a dance step that he's by no means killing. It does help doing all this in a multi-million dollar mansion. Everything looks better, but I just love that he keeps throwing darts, man. You got to respect that. It reminds me, and it should remind all of us independent up-and-coming artists, you know, whoever you are out there, that we can complain a lot about resources or budgets or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, But at the end of the day, we're the ones responsible for shooting our shots. So if you shoot your shots and, and shit doesn't happen for you, you can talk about it then. But if you're not even shooting, then you really don't have much to complain about. Um, and that kind of leads me to uh, Dags shot me a text earlier in uh, actually last week. And he randomly asked me, uh, he asked me if I thought it was possible to put out too much music, to release too much music. And we've probably visited this topic a, a long time ago on the pod, but it's interesting to to bring up every so often because it changes. And he was coming from a listener perspective, and we usually come from the artist's point of view, but I think my answer is pretty similar for both. Um, and I like to attack it from an artist's point of view since I'm an artist first. Well, I guess not first, but that's what I think about most often. Um, so, for example... Russ's claim to fame was a song every week, right? And that was a great move when he did it. If an artist wanted to put out a song every week right now, I still think it would be great for their career. Like if, if Apollo came to me and said, I want to put out a song a week, and he actually had the, the, the songs, like I knew he was ready to roll with it and commit to it, um, I'd be down. I would argue that maybe it's not ideal. Maybe there's a, a, a better way, but it'd still be great for an artist's career. So... Of course, like most things, it all depends on the artist, their fan base, a number of other factors too. But for the sake of the argument, we'll generalize here. There's so much music coming out these days. If an artist puts out a song every week, um, their core fan base is going to love it. They're going to consume it. This goes for a song every week, every two weeks, every three weeks, whatever. So even though your core is the most important thing in this scenario, let's disregard the core because God bless them. They're going to mess with, with the content whenever it comes out, right? As long as you're not making them wait years and years. Um, so in my opinion, especially if you have a, a limited budget and resources, a song every week is going to be overkill for the casual fan. Uh, somebody that is... And I, again, I'm talking about the casual fan here. 
We're not talking about the core fan, the casual fan, somebody that isn't checking for your music, but that will listen when you drop an album or, or generally likes your stuff when it comes on the radio or playlists, not necessarily going to your concerts or all your concerts or buying your merch. Uh, if you have a new song every week, I think it'd be really easy for a lot of those songs to miss people's radars. So the quantity of music you put out, it's a delicate balance between giving people content, which is always good, and having the most people hear or see your content each time. You feel me? It's just, it's human nature that if you haven't heard from an artist in a long time, you're going to anticipate new music from them more than if you hear music from them all the time. That being said, the artists that you hear from often are, you know, they're generally winning more because content is the name of the game. And and everybody's got to stay relevant. So we're not all Kendrick or Jay-Z or J. Cole where we can pop up every few years and, and give you something. We have to keep some type of momentum. So it's, it's a delicate balance. But I think in general, once a month is a good minimum. And once a week would be the maximum, I think. Every other week seems like a really good general rule of thumb to shoot for as far as putting out a, a song. Um and I mean, we're talking about a creative process here. So obviously it's not as easy as just finishing a homework assignment. Like, hey, I got to get one of these out every two weeks. Trust me, if, if, if it was that, you'd, have, you'd see me putting out music every two weeks all the time. But it's creative. It's not just task-oriented necessarily. Now, that can be a cop-out sometimes too. You got you to gotta find it within you to know when you're copping out and when the creative juices aren't just flowing. But, um, but I think that's a good goal. And that can switch if you have other content as well. If you, if you only put out music, then you want to be closer to every week, right? If you're doing the singles thing and you're only putting out music. But if you drop videos or vlogs or podcasts or other pieces of content for people to consume, if they're fans of you, then you can be closer to the once a month, in my opinion. And, and again, these are super general rules of thumb. They don't apply to everybody. But if you're looking for it, that's my opinion. Um, as far as listeners go, consumers go, I think it can be viewed in a really similar way. Like uh, the whole idea that I come from, from an artist's perspective is what do I think my listeners want to hear uh, in general? And so I think it would be the same way if you come at it from a listener's perspective. If my favorite artist dropped a song every week, I'd love it for a period of time, but I think it would get old after a certain period of time. Like even my favorite artist, if they gave me a song every week, for, for an extended period of time, it'd probably be overkill a, after a certain period of time. So I think that, plus not to mention, I don't think any artist can realistically, especially if they're writing and recording their own music, can do that for a super long period of time and have the quality keep up. So it's just, a, it's a balance. And I think it's necessary from, from both perspectives. Um, that kind of leads me into... My guy, Tori, Tori, Tori Lanes, Mr. Quarantine Radio, Mr. Independent now, out the deal. Uh, shout out to Sam for the tweet, wanting to talk about this topic. Apparently, Tori has gained 2.2 million Instagram followers and a 90% boost in YouTube subscribers in 30 days. He dropped New Toronto 3. He's out of his deal now. And the tweet that Sam referenced to me ended with leverage. And if you guys have heard me talk on podcasts, You've heard me talk about leverage when it comes to deals, no deals, leverage. Whatever situation he gets into next is going to be a good one. And, and it also goes to show we can talk about quantity of content and, and all that. And 
they're interesting conversations about finding that sweet spot. And again, it's different for every artist. If you got a bigger budget, it's a little easier. But the easiest truth of it is the people that work the hardest and do the most usually win. Uh, kind of that, that Drake thing, like I said, he shoots a ton of shots. The more shots you shoot, the more work you put in, the more you're going to win. Um, Tori puts out a shit ton of music. He always has. And as a fan of his, I, I do think it's, it's the, the quantity has watered down his music, in my opinion, a little bit. Like, he just dropped his, his new Toronto 3. I'm not a huge fan. I haven't been a huge fan of some of his most recent projects. I wasn't a huge fan of Chick's Tape. Um, but there's enough good songs on it to keep me coming back, and there's enough good singles to keep me coming back, and there's enough good features to keep me coming back. Um, I'm still checking for his stuff. And, and he's doing a bunch of other stuff content-wise, too, whether it is the features, videos, you know, he does this whole quarantine radio thing. He does enough, has enough decent sound bites. Um, he's just one of those workers in the industry that's going to, he's going to win. So, yeah, I mean, we can talk about finding that sweet spot in content, but the, but the more you do, the better. Um, you can, I should say, maybe not that, but the, um, you're not going to lose if you do more. Let's put it that way. Maybe there's a sweet spot, but doing more is not going to hurt you. Um, but yeah, and I mean, again, I, I'm going to probably stop qualifying all my music takes with this. I got to get out of this habit because I always feel like when I when I give an opinion on these things, it's always like, but Pac, you don't put out a song every day. Yeah, I should. Um, so, But I'm going to stop qualifying that. You guys, if you listen to the pod, you should know this is all just like my opinions on this shit um, and things that I strive for, things that I think about, things that I want to do. It's just not always the easiest thing in the world, and that's why there's few people that do it correctly, and, and that's why there's few people that win. Um, all right, enough about music for now. Um, oh, let's let's get into the let's get into the COVID versus golf topic. Um, as a golfer myself, I I follow some golf accounts and such, so I've seen this become a hot button issue over recent weeks. Should we be able to golf right now? Should golf courses be open right now while many other things are shut down due to COVID-19? Um, obviously, the argument for them shutting down is they're clearly not essential. The argument for them being open is golf is an outdoor recreational activity. Uh, it involves lots of social distancing anyway. Um, my opinion is that Golf courses should be shut down as long as all non-essential businesses are shut down. And you can talk about all the ways to, to golf safely, walking instead of riding carts, only taking tee times and payment online, not touching flag sticks, all that, right? But if we're honest about it, not every course and not every person is going to abide by these rules, just like the social distancing orders when they were first put in place, right? Like everybody that was disobeying those orders, um, and causing this shit to spread more. You're requiring workers to go there as well and, and deal with customers. Um, and trust me, I get it. I'm not, I'm not going to be in agreement with this for a super long period of time. Like, it's not necessarily um, because I think people can golf safely. It's because I think we're going to have to open up the economy in general and a lot of businesses soon. So um, I'm not even necessarily separating golf in general. I do think you can separate like there are categories of things like golf is an outdoor um, don't have to be in a group of people. And we can separate things into those categories um, as we start to open up the economy. Um, but that's my stance on the question itself. 
Um, I know I have a lot of fellow golfers that, that feel differently. Um, but I have a lot that agree to, um, I think there's a few, there's a few golfers that have given all golfers bad names in regards to this, but, uh, let me tell you, let me tell you what bothers me the most about the golf conversation with, with coronavirus. It's the fact that people can't bring it up without being crucified for it. You know what I mean? It's something that bothers me with a lot of the talk about like reopening the economy. Like if you talk about aspect, aspects of the economy at a time like this, then, then you don't care about people's lives. You know, it's not an either or. When people take all nuance out of conversations and just reduce it to sound bites and headlines, it, it gets a lot of retweets, but it makes us all dumber. So I heard our um, governor here in Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, talk about it, um, the golf thing. She was asked the question, and uh, somebody sent it to me and wanted to know my thoughts. Um, like I said before, I generally agree with her, so I don't have a problem with her keeping the courses closed right now at this moment uh, while everything else is closed. But I just don't like some of the conversations around it. Um, in general, I hate when any leader just gives the simple answer to any of these questions, anything of we're saving lives. And then tells you how many people are dying every day and says we're saving lives. Like here in Michigan, we're on lockdown until I think May 1st now, um, something around there. We're not supposed to do anything outside of our house except get food or meds, um, and any, any workers that are deemed essential. Okay. Here's what I understand. And I don't pretend to be some expert, but here's what I understand. I understand the flattening of the curve. Okay. I understand stalling, trying to flatten this curve to give our healthcare system more time to be ready, um, more supplies. And I understand stalling and being safe until we have some better data on the coronavirus. What I can't stand is just the vague, we're saving lives by not going outside and not talking about it any further. Um, like Whitmer kept referencing people touching gas pumps so the less people um, do anything or go anywhere, the better. Like I said, if they make it clear that they need time to ready the healthcare system and that's the reason. Okay, but w what happens on May 2nd if we open up the economy, right? Coronavirus is still here. People are still going to get it. So when, you, when all you say is we're saving lives, what's the difference in you saving lives now and saving lives later? And there is nuance there. I'm not saying there isn't a difference, but I'm saying... When our leaders are explaining this to us, they don't, they don't get their point across very well, in my opinion. I'm sure we're not going to lock down until there's a vaccine, but why not? Our leaders need to talk about that more often. Give us a good reason. Give us a plan. Saving lives is such a, an easy headline because who's going to disagree with that? But it's a, it's a cop-out. If that were the case, we should lock down for eternity so nobody dies of any virus or car accident or plane crash. Give us some nuanced conversation. Fuck the PC one-liners. Like, come on. I know these people are intelligent. Show us. I mean that. I'm not being a dick. I'm saying I know these people are genuinely intelligent people, and I'd like to hear something deeper than we're saving lives. And to all the people that vilify anybody that wants to open up the economy because they're 
quote unquote willing to sacrifice lives or put lives at risk for money for the sake of the economy. What what are you going to say in a month when the economy opens up and the coronavirus is still a thing? Is everybody the devil then? Is everybody willing to put lives at risk for a buck then? No. From everything I know, and again, I don't pretend to be an expert, but I've, you know, I don't just do this podcast and talk out of my ass. We're not necessarily decreasing the overall coronavirus cases by doing any of this, but we're slowing it and hopefully decreasing the deaths by having our healthcare system prepared. But we need nuanced conversation is all I'm saying. Like, tell us about that then. What we're doing with our healthcare system to prepare. Make it, like, I think there's tons of people that are still in the dark, and maybe I'm wrong. But this is what I've gathered, and I've actually tried to gather, that it seems like all we're doing now is trying to get ourselves better prepared to fight it. But by no means are we lessening the amount of people that are going to get it. And I just think there's so many people that are misinformed and a lot of it isn't our fault. It's the fault of our leaders and the media. <clears throat> so that's my, that's my thoughts on that. But it, it also, it also led me to probably the dumbest thing said by someone who's allegedly smart this week. The attorney general of Michigan. And I didn't know who she was until somebody sent me this. Dana Nessel, I think is her name. She said in a tweet, I just can't hear about one more black health healthcare worker, police officer, or bus driver die while getting a barrage of complaints from white folks outraged because they can't go golfing. What the fuck does one have to do with the other? Quick answer, nothing. All this does is stoke the flames of racism, just pure race baiting. And I'm not, I'm not even mad about like the general white folks outraged because they can't go golfing. Like I'm willing to guess if she got 50 complaints about not being able to golf, about 50 of them were white folks. Like I'm not ignorant to that, give or take, but I'm sure that's true. Now, I don't think our attorney general should be saying that. Like, Dana, you don't like fielding complaints about not being able to golf while there's a pandemic going on. That is a, in my opinion, a very fair point and a very fair feeling. I'm with her. If Twitter or memers want to make that the rich white guy, by all means. But our attorney general, she wouldn't dare say that about any other race or any other issue if 50 people of the same race called in complaining about something. And you know that's a fact. If Okay, if 50 white folks called in and wanted to volunteer their time or money, would that be a race thing? Would she say, I just want to commend this, um, these amazing white folks for volunteering their time? No, she wouldn't. She shouldn't, and she wouldn't. But it's shit like this on Twitter that has us all at each other's throats on a daily basis for no reason. Like, it's just pure race baiting. Not everything boils down to racism. So, Dana, like I said, you're annoyed with these complaints about golf. And I I get it. 
But why do you field these complaints with golfers and go, see, that's the problem with the whites, when you supposedly wouldn't do that with any other issue and any other race? You're upset with complaining privileged golfers, and you go to Twitter and start a tweet with, I just can't hear about one more black healthcare worker, police officer, or bus driver. What the fuck do these have to do with each other? She lives in a world of, of black versus white, which we won't even talk about the fact that she's forgetting all other races, which is slightly racist. If there was a, a, a correlation between golfers playing golf and black people dying, then I'm, yeah, then by all means, talk about it. But there's not. Are there not Asian healthcare workers dying also? White police officers? Latino bus drivers? Literally just leave the words black and white out of this tweet and you're, and you're Gucci. It, it would read like this. Literally all I'm doing is taking out the words black and white. I just can't hear about one more healthcare worker, police officer, or bus driver die while getting a barrage of complaints from folks outraged because they can't go golfing. I mean, what a good tweet. No race baiting, no pandering. Targets the correct group of people, the people that are complaining about not being able to golf. But it probably wouldn't get the attention, and I'm guilty of feeding into it too. And, and it wouldn't bother me so much if it was just a Twitter egg, but it's the Attorney General of Michigan. And people co-sign this shit, and they see it, and it just depresses me that, like, we feed into this dumb shit. There's enough, there's enough racial issues. Let's not create them out of thin air. And I, if you guys have listened to the pod, you know, like, I like talking about stuff that hella other people aren't talking about. So even with this issue, it's like, oh, Packy, you want to jump in and, and call this out, but why aren't you talking about this, this, and this? Well, A, it's my podcast and I can talk about whatever the fuck I want. But B, it's like, it's no fun to talk about what everybody's talking about on the timeline unless I have a unique take on it. You know what I'm saying? So fuck off. All right, what else do we have? Um, on a lighter note, binged the shit out of Ozark season three. Everybody has to add an S to the end. Everybody always calls it Ozarks because people do that with everything. Joe Buttons, Myers. Ozark season three is one for the books. If you haven't started Ozark, do it. If you haven't got into season three, but you watched the first two seasons, you got a, you got a doozy waiting for you. In my opinion, it took, I was a fan of the show. It took it from me considering Ozark a really good TV series to now it's, it's in like the upper echelon. If they don't, if they don't fuck it up, they're going to go down. There's potential here for this to go down as a top five series of all time to me. Now there's a lot remains to be, it's only three seasons in, but I'm saying they're, they're set up. They're set up for this, for Packy. What else we got? Delayed gratification. I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put Apollo on blast a little here, and when I say on blast, it's very very lighthearted. I wouldn't actually put him on blast because he's a spectator's artist, so I can, and it's not a big deal. But I saw him post something about um, Irish Goodbye being, I, I think he said almost to hundred k on Spotify, which is great. And we've had artists over the years as well. Like this is far from the first example. It's just the most recent. And I'm not going to say I've never done it, but I feel like I've always made a concerted effort to avoid it. 
we're so thirsty to post stuff, anything to post that we can't wait a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a couple of months for the official accomplishment. We got to post now. Like when it hits a hundred K, make that post that it hit a hundred K. It's the same mindset of how we artists always have to tell you our album is coming soon when in reality, all we have is like a title. Like I said, I do it too. I'm just, I'm just using Apollo as a little example. I just saw, we can't wait till something is done and then, and then start telling you. And honestly, I don't even really, I don't even really preach this to our artists anymore. Like I maybe used to because I'm not even sure that it's better overall. People really, they get into the hype train on socials, whether it's legit or not. So there's not a right or wrong. It's just my personal preference. Um, I think the main thing is just that you don't, you don't want to start becoming a bullshitter ever. Now, this is totally off my Apollo example. Like, his song's going to hit 100K. There's no, there's no worries there. But I'm taking it to another level. Like, you don't want to be the guy that's always the album coming soon guy and nothing drops or I got this big opportunity and nothing happens or all these things because you talk about things before anything is really ever done. That's when it's a problem. But yeah, just a, just a random music thought that I think a lot of artists can relate to and probably other, other areas. I talk about music and artists a lot, but a lot of these things just relate to many, many professions and areas of, of interest, entrepreneurship and things like that. Like it's always a good idea, in my opinion, to get something done and then market it. Like I said, I could be wrong. I see, I see a lot of bullshitters win. So, uh, last thing, I'll leave you with some some real food for thought. Um, and I think this coronavirus stuff has made me kind of think of this more. Uh, looking for stuff for the podcast. We we live in a world where there's so many opinions floated around every day. So many things stated as as fact that aren't fact. Lots of perspectives and ways to look at the world or ways to look at small issues. Unfortunately, we don't have time to research every little thing ourselves. So in general, we need to find people we trust, right? And I think too often we get caught up in, in that meaning that somebody's never wrong. Like, this is the person I go to, they're, never, they're not wrong. Everybody's wrong sometimes, especially if they're a person who has to give their thoughts on everything, right? Like there's literal analysts, commentators, journalists, politicians, like they have to talk about everything. They're going to be wrong sometimes. So what's important is that you find people that are a right more, more often than others, but people that can admit when they're wrong, right? And that are more concerned with the truth than with clicks and frankly more concerned with the truth than with what people think of them. And I struggle with that personally. Um, I know sometimes I, I have strong thoughts and opinions on different things and I worry sometimes I worry too much about what people are going to think. Like I talked about it earlier on this podcast. Every time I give some piece of music advice to artists, I'm always super like hard on myself of, Dude, who are you to give advice? But that's dumb because I could be giving someone that piece of advice that they really need. Like I have done something with music. It's not like I just am a completely unaccomplished 
um, independent music artist. Like I need to understand that just because I don't know everything doesn't mean I don't know some things. Um, so yeah, um, more concerned with the truth than with what people think, because there are going to be people, if you're giving your opinions on lots of things and whether you're right or wrong, there's going to be people that disagree with you. So those are all important. Just some, just some food for thought that I've been thinking about. Honestly, uh, let, let me give you a, let me give you a small example on that. Um, because it doesn't always have to do with, like I said, I've talked about it with music. It doesn't always have to do with politics or big worldviews. Or I remember, I remember at, uh, some point last year, I think I, I came across, you guys probably know, uh, who he is. He's a popular sports talk guy, uh, Clay Travis. Um, He's basically a sports guy. He touches on current events and politics here and there, but I had never listened to him myself. Um, and I heard some clip probably on Twitter or something or YouTube that I liked his outlook on. I followed him. I listened to his podcast here and there. <clears throat> Didn't agree with everything, but but thought he brought a different perspective than what I heard on a regular basis. And then during the NFL season, um, and don't hold me to the specifics because I don't care enough to remember them. Um, but essentially he kept talking about how Lamar Jackson was overrated and how he's not as good as what people are saying. Kept talking about his, uh, his like arm and there was something he kept saying. It was something like he can't convert third and seven when you need it or something like some specific ass weird critique, but he kept talking about how he's definitely not the MVP. And this is late into the season. Like we all are seeing on a weekly basis, how dope this dude is. We know the Ravens are nice. He's the MVP front runner. And regardless of how he gets it done, he's getting it done um, on a regular basis. Like this isn't some two game sample. And as the season got later and later, Clay Travis would just shift the goalposts. Like he'd say, these running quarterbacks have a short shelf life or um, like his style won't get it done in the playoffs or something like that. Like, okay, those are fine arguments to make, right? But, that's not what you were saying weeks ago. Just say you were wrong about him. Don't like shift it and double down. Just say you were wrong and move on to another topic. Then move on to your, it won't get it done in the playoffs. But you can be like, I was wrong about the regular season. Like you give takes for a living. You should be wrong fairly often or you'd be boring as hell. Like if I'm never wrong about anything on this podcast, then this, is, this will be the most boring podcast ever. And like I said, that's something I, I need to battle because... I feel like in my day-to-day -day life, I have these opinions and takes and stuff, but when I need to put it out to the world, I feel like sometimes I'm not necessarily as strong because I'm like, well, you know, what if I'm, what if I'm not right on this? What if I'm like, no, bro, you, you do think you're right. So just fucking say it. That's, that's why I like podcasts. That's the stuff I like listening to is people that are willing to go out on a limb. But just the key is if you end up being wrong, be willing to admit that you were wrong. There's no shame in that. I think I unfollowed him after that and never really listened to him again, which maybe that's unfair, but you just, you lose so much credibility to me when you can't just admit it. Anyway, those are, those are my thoughts this week. Um, it's Glow's birthday tomorrow, Wednesday. Wish her a happy birthday. If you, if you think of it, rough time for birthdays right now, but we're going to make the most of it. Um, I heard rumblings of Ja Rule versus 50 Insta Live hit battle. Not sure if that's true, but that would be pure entertainment. Uh, with them, it probably won't happen unless they're getting paid somehow. So we'll see. Um, tune in on Thursday, the 16th for Apollo and I going live on IG. 
for the Spec 16 this month, quarantine style, and make sure you run up that new guest. You had to be there. Writer's block. Let me know what you think. It's kind of a personal record for me in a in a little bit of a different way than usual. So I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts. But anyway, stay uh, stay safe out there and uh, stay healthy. Bye bye. I'm a company man, I do it all for the brand I get my blood to the job and I get my love to the fans Really spec from the jump, never no check in advance And at the end of the month, I earn a check in my hand